This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everyone, it's Jan here. You are listening to the Langpreneur podcast and I'm really happy that you're here with us today because we have another interesting interview for you with another Langpreneur. Our guest on today's show is Lucy from the YouTube channel English with Lucy. And what Lucy managed to build in just four years time is pretty crazy. Four years ago, she had zero subscribers when she got started and today, The channel has over three and a half million subscribers and it's actually one of the biggest language related YouTube channels out there. So, yeah, in today's interview, we're going to take a look behind the scenes. We're going to learn how Lucy got started on YouTube, some of the growth strategies that she used and is still using and what some of the challenges are of being a YouTube celebrity. Because that's really what that that's what she is. I mean, three and a half million subscribers. My God. So yeah, if you're interested in maybe you have a YouTube channel or maybe you're interested in building a YouTube channel, um, language related, then this interview is gonna be for you. And even if you don't like YouTube, if you want to stay away from, you know, making YouTube videos, then this is actually still gonna be a very interesting interview with you because. You know, just interesting to take a look behind the scenes and explore more about the life of uh, of a YouTube celebrity, I would say. Well, enough for now. Let's get started with the interview. Here is my interview with Lucy. Hello, Lucy, and welcome to Langpreneur. Um, Lucy, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you got started on YouTube. So, hello, my name is Lucy, obviously, just introduced me, and I run the English with Lucy YouTube channel. Um, I've got 3.4, I think, million subscribers on there, which is, I started it four years ago, so it's grown fairly steadily uh, since I started, and um, and yeah, I also do some work on Instagram as well, I have another personal channel, and at the moment I'm just trying to... Um, not put all of my eggs in one basket, so I'm looking at new opportunities. Three and a half million subscribers on YouTube. I'm sure that most of the listeners, you know, they must be thinking by themselves, how did she do that? How is that possible? <laughs> We're going to talk about that later. But yeah, first tell us a little bit about how you got started on YouTube. Have you, do you have a background as a teacher or how do you get started? So my background is actually in marketing, a marketing degree. Um, and I was always fascinated with languages, especially Spanish. I think probably because I wasn't that happy when I was a teenager and I was kind of looking for a way out of my situation. Um, and so a language seemed to be kind of a chance to start afresh, meet new people and maybe get to know a culture that might be more fitting for me. And um, and so I was really, really keen on studying that at, at school. And then I went to university. I knew I wanted to study marketing. Um, but I wanted to spend as much time as I possibly could abroad. Um, so I did a semester abroad with the Erasmus programme that the UK might not be part of anymore. <laughs> and uh, so sad. And um, 
and yeah, I did that in Madrid in Universidad Complutense, and that was amazing. And then I went on to do a placement year out in Madrid uh, in a marketing firm, and they shut down. Oh, really? <laughs> Halfway, well, was I was that because even, of you? Probably, I was just so bad spending all their marketing budget. Uh, no, honestly, I think they were just um, badly run. Um, and they it was post-financial crisis. It seemed to hit Spain a little bit later. And um, yeah, I remember it just the job market being really, really tough. It was impossible to find anything. So I felt so lucky to have this job. And then the rug was pulled from under my feet. So I didn't know what to do. My boyfriend at the time uh, was Spanish. Well, he's still alive. So he is still <laughs> And um, he lived in Seville. And so he said, look, because I couldn't re-enroll in university, that was the issue. So I was wondering what I'm going to do unemployed for the rest of the year. Um, so I decided to get the only job going, really, for foreigners in Spain, which was teaching English. So I did a TEFL qualification uh, in Seville, and then they actually offered me a job in the training centre. So I divided my time between training new um, new TEFL teachers and also um, teaching actual students as well and I wasn't particularly great at it um, I really enjoyed the training aspect um, but I wasn't the best English teacher I was only 19 actually when I did the TEFL qualification um, and so I, I really struggled with teaching grammar because I'd never learnt it or studied it at school um, I don't know what happened I moved around schools quite a lot when I was younger and I must have just moved at the right time to miss out all of the grammar stuff, maybe. Um, and so I started looking at grammar books for grammar explanations. None of them seemed to go in. I've never been a particularly studious person, or I never was until now I'm on YouTube. And now I'm a little bit more, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about later when it comes to analytics and studying market and things like that. Um, but I, um, yeah, so I then wanted physical explanations. I wanted to basically mimic the way that real teachers, in my opinion, uh, gave grammar explanations. And so I found these channels on YouTube that were teaching English. They were great, but I just saw a gap in the market for something different. What so, was the gap uh, in the market? Well, um, I was watching um, Zoella and all of the vloggers, the very glamorous, polished vloggers of you know, 2014, 2015. And I thought, oh, if you could, well, first I was looking at them and wondering why they work. And I think it's because they understood the personal relationship that you ha you feel you have with a YouTuber when you watch them. Um, and so they're talking to the camera, not as if it were a classroom, but as if they are, you know, in your bedroom with you. you know, <laughs> holding. That sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. In the most innocent way possible, yeah. you are holding your phone r right up close to your face, or at least I am, because I've got very bad eyes. <laughs> and um, and you feel like that person is talking directly to you. And I was I, I saw that a lot of teachers were treating the uh, camera as if it were their classroom, um, you know, group of people. And I just thought there is a gap in the market for um, polished, fun, entertaining. Um, cheerful and maybe slightly lighter English lessons as well. And I, I just kind of had a, oh, I think I could do that sort of moment. Yeah. Um, do you have experience uh, in front of the camera? No, no. I, well, 
this is really embarrassing and I've never told anyone this before, but I um I started a YouTube channel in 2010 before YouTube was a career path or anything like that. Not that it really is now, but um and I just did a makeup tutorial of a girl from a re- reality TV show that I really liked. Mm. It was called Made in Chelsea. And someone in my class found it and I got absolutely ripped for it at school. So that was deleted and I just almost never well, went. Why was that? Wasn't that good? I think it was just embarrassing. It was me like, here's my eyeliner and I'm going to put on this now. It was it was embarrassing. I I contacted YouTube to try and see if they would be able to locate it because obviously it was deleted with a lot of angst. Yeah. And uh, yeah. unfortunately couldn't find it, but I thought it would have been hilarious to watch. Me at 15. After three and a half million subscribers. Look, this is how I got started. Yeah, exactly. I thought it would be quite motivating for people to watch. Mm. (laughs) But yes, so so that's how I got the idea. Uh, But implementing it and uh, putting it into action was another story. Mm. So, yeah. Did you know that it was possible to turn a YouTube channel into a business eventually? Yes, I was getting a bit wise to that when um, when I was coming up with this idea um, because I I really felt like I, I really ended up enjoying teaching English. I didn't at first, but then I really fell in love with it and I felt like I'd love to continue this. And I did continue teaching in person for quite a while, actually, even when I moved back to, to London to finish my final year of university. Mm-hmm. Um, but the just the straight you know, working in an academy, career path, I knew it wasn't going to bring me what I wanted in my life. Um, I wanted to have a way of moving up. I was really considering maybe setting up an academy or something like that. I really wanted to um, uh, kind of enjoy a business career path Yeah. um, that was maybe still related to teaching English. So you you knew from day one that it was possible with YouTube? Um, Yes, I knew it was possible. I was maybe thinking on a more local basis. I was thinking if I build up a, you know, small subscribership and based in London, then I can get people into my physical language school. That's what I was thinking. I went and looked at a lot of um, properties (laughs) to rent. Uh, It was really hard to find. And they had this special code that they in order for them to be an educational establishment. And they were just snapped up by... um, I think religious um, organizations would use them to do their own teaching. And obviously they had a lot of money, so the price was really high. Um, So, yeah, that was the original plan. Um, But then I I quickly realized, well, I'm not going to say quickly. Over the course of eight months of starting the channel, I realized that, yes, this is a a really viable um, way of, you know, creating a business and so when uh, tell us a little bit about the moment when you actually found out that you had a business in hands. Like you said, it took eight months. Um, mm. How consistent were you? Like how many videos have you published so far? How did you experience? How did you see that you? How did you know that it was working? So, so I knew from the beginning because I asked my dad for investment. <laughs> so and he, I said, look, dad, this is what I'd like to start. Um, but obviously I was on a student loan. Um, I was, you know, it's impossible <laughs> to have any savings as a student in London. And um, so I said, look, I, I'd really like to start this channel. Um, I think it could go somewhere, um, but I need a camera and I need some audio equipment and a tripod as well. And um, so he said, right, I'm not going to just give you any money. Um, my dad's a 
like a, he run, runs a business as well. He's a businessman. So I knew he wasn't just going to give me money because that's not the way he's brought me up. But he said, if you come to me with a business plan, um, I'll take a look and I'll see if I'd be interested in helping you, you know, with a like a business loan or something. And so I, I did the maths and I worked out that I needed £500. <laughs> so with that, I brought I bought a, um, a secondhand camera a Canon 60D and I bought a tripod and a microphone. I didn't actually buy a lens at first, so I set it all up and did my hair and makeup and then was trying to work out why my camera didn't look like other YouTubers' cameras. <laughs> Turned out that I didn't have a lens. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I was doing my final year of university and I was also working full time, so I was quite busy. Um, but I uploaded, I would say, maybe or oh, I, I wouldn't know without looking at my channel. I, I was trying to upload every other week or so. Um, just, it was taking me forever uh, because I was doing all the filming and editing and I really was starting with no knowledge at all. And it just felt like I was encountering problem after problem. Um, and I actually, over my exam period, so I started it in January, 2016. Um, and then in May, I started my, April, May, I started my exams. Um, and they needed my full attention. I also had a load of students that were coming to learn f with me and I um, I couldn't let them down because they were real people, <laughs> not just subscribers. <laughs> so um, that took priority and I took a break. And then throughout that three month ish break, one of my videos got caught up in the algorithm and then started really being pushed to people that kind of introduced me to the concept of the algorithm and made me realize, oh, this is actually going somewhere now. This isn't just a little project that will help me, you know, have locals know who I am and where my future language school will be. I realised actually this is has the potential to grow exponentially. Um, and so I graduated in July of 2016 and I had to kind of work out what I was going to do next, if I was going to do a typical grad scheme because I had some offers and some good prospects there. But I spoke to my dad he and he said, I think I think you're onto something. I think you should give it two years. And then, you know, you'll only be 23 in two years time. You haven't lost a huge chunk of your life if it doesn't go anywhere. And you'll probably know before two years is up if it's actually going to take off or not. And so I moved back home with my parents. Um, and within two months of moving back home, it was generating a full time income. Okay. Just for all mad sons. Yes, just from AdSense and a couple of small sponsors as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the AdSense money was enough to pay rent and live a modest life. <laughs> and, uh, On the yeah. countryside. Yes, yeah. Well, I was living in Cambridge at the time. Oh, I did okay. move out on my own um, in the end. And, um, and then that just so happened that I met a farmer and now I'm farm-based. <laughs> <laughs> just curious, what did you write in that business plan that you had to write with your father and did it all come true? Um, so it was more, I mainly outlined the potential income streams. So I just looked at everyone I could find, whether they were educational channels or not. And I looked at what income streams they had and what I very roughly predicted they could earn. Now, I actually wrote, wrote this business plan on paper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't have a copy of it. I wish I did because I would cherish that because it was, um, it was really cute. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, could have put it in a museum. In a few years um, from now. Maybe my spare bedroom on a wall or something, I don't know. Um, and, and I just, I basically showed him how this could make money because 
I think that's probably one of the biggest questions or the most frequent questions I get from people of my parents' age is how do you make can't they of course they don't understand I didn't understand at first I had to really look into it mm -hmm. um so yeah that was that was the main thing that I was detailing yeah. and, and showing what I could earn if I you know got this many views per month and la 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 um it wasn't completely accurate but I definitely did achieve a lot of the things that I outlined on that business plan mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about like the strategies that you use to grow your channel because we all know that we need to be consistent we need to be engaging we need to engage with our followers um, you know all those things is there anything else that you do which you think really helped growing your channel yeah lots of things um, so I'm a huge stats nerd I never realized I was until I started the channel, um, but I just found myself spending hours deep diving into my analytics and the analytics of other channels. I I, I know it's maybe not healthy to com continually um, compare yourself to others, but I feel like that's been very, very vital. Um, it's been a, a big learning process for me so what, one um, of the, what, what, are, what are some of the things that you really pay attention to when when you look at analytics what um, metrics so, so rather than um how many views a video has i'm more interested in how many views it gets per hour or per day um mm. so i'm looking at i don't want a video that's going to get well i'm not going to complain but if i get a video that gets a million views in a week and then flat lines that's much less exciting than a video that gets forty thousand views every day for five years those are the videos that carry my channel um so i i made the decision to not go for trending topics so you you won't nowadays catch me doing like a halloween idioms video or, or anything like that i know that i want my videos to be evergreen and for them to hopefully convert into um hero videos that's the term that i'm sure you know that but it's something that um, youtube itself throws around a lot um Deep diving, so using Social Blade, using VidIQ, those are two programs that I use a lot. Well, Social Blade is just a website, but VidIQ is an add-on. I think I pay $10 a month to use it, and it lets me see the views per hour of any particular video. So even though it's a small channel I might be looking at, um, I can see that actually their views per hour for this particular video is huge, um, you know, relative to the size of their channel. So I might think about making something on that topic or trying to work out what keyword or what element in the thumbnail has made their video do well consistently over time. So you basically look what's already working well on your own channel, but also on the channels of your competitors, and then you're trying to do more of, of what's working. Yes, but that does bring me on to my next topic, which is to not overdo it. And I'm, I'm, I am a culprit of this. I do it. Um, I... I really think that you should balance between three things. It's all very good getting the growth, but there are so many channels that have huge subscriber numbers and then, you know, they, they're just, their videos, their new videos don't perform. So you've got to look at obviously what the algorithm wants. That's a huge thing to get that initial growth. Uh, but then you've also got to understand what your current viewers want, because eventually if you're only thinking about the algorithm and you're not getting that initial click through, um, from your current students, your subscribers, um, then the algorithm is going to grow wise, wise to that and you're going to see your channel decline. Uh, and then also what you want to do to avoid that dreaded burnout as well, because I 
have felt like I'm constantly doing what I think the algorithm wants and what I think my viewers want to see. And I'm not doing any passion projects and I'm finding it not boring. I've never been bored by my channel, but I have had periods of burnout where I've um, kind of lost the a little bit of passion for it. So now I make sure that I do fun videos where I look at them and I feel really proud. Um, and even if they don't film, perform well, things fun. I had a discussion with my partner yesterday. We were in the car and I told her, I recently heard something on the radio. They were talking about professions that were the least stressful. And I think number one was like teacher at university. And then number two was like a hairdresser. And number four was uh, the guy in charge of the library. And then I, I asked my partner, I said, what do you think is um, is a job with, with not so much stress? And she said, being a YouTuber. <gasps> what would you say to that? Well, it depends it, how you how good you are at time management. Yeah, is, is it really that stressful to be a YouTuber with a YouTube? Uh, I've gone through. I go through waves of stress. Um, for me, the most stressful thing is is balancing my personal life and my work life because they're so interlinked. Because I work from home. Um, my fiance has a very regimented job that you know he has to be present for. Um, he has to be on the farm, which limits where I can be. Um, that's the most stressful thing. Um, you also have to be a self-starter. Um, you have to do things yourself. It's very easy to just procrastinate the day away. And that in itself can be stressful when you're, you know, finding yourself unable to hop on camera that day. Yeah. Um, I would say that it depends how big you want to make it and how stressful and how much you want to take on. I, the first year, first couple of years I was on YouTube, I said yes to everything. Well, not literally everything, but I, I said yes to a lot of things. Every collaboration request, every almost every sponsorship deal, you know, depending on whether they were right for my channel. But I, I said yes to way too much. Every speaking event, every radio interview, everything. And now I'm really selective and I've got better at saying no. And I've also got a manager who can say no on my behalf. Um, and that's taken the stress out of it. I identified what was stressful, which one big thing was my emails um i don't handle my emails anymore someone else handles them for me how many um, emails do you get a day oh i don't know because i haven't handled them for like three <laughs> years um but i um it was too much every time my, i could just my phone would be there just lighting up all the time oh, really, and some of them really. were just really sweet emails some of them were hate emails some of them were business opportunities some of them were multi-channel networks saying, hi, English, we love your videos. <laughs> As if my name was English because they'd obviously got it in some sort of algorithm. Oh, oh God, I feel stressed thinking about it. Yeah, I can, I can see that. So you really think that hiring a manager here is the key to, to take care of all, all the things that are not, you know, that, that other people can do, basically? When was the moment where you hired or when you start working with a manager who starts filtering out all those messages? Um, I think I was on around 300,000 subscribers. So I remember that because I wrote to him um, and said, I would like you to manage me rather than him approaching me. Um, I looked around at, I know a lot of creators are very interested in finding a good manager. And honestly, it's very hard to find. Um, the way I found him was I looked at other creators in the UK that were doing things that I wanted to do. Uh, like, radio interviews and being on tv and getting in the press and releasing products and i found some i looked at their email on all of their youtube channels and then i noticed some correlations and i checked out each individual one um, 
contacted him and I remember having 300,000 and thinking, oh, will it be enough <laughs> to persuade him? Um, but yeah, it's, I don't think it's for everyone. I think a lot of people might need, feel like they need more control. There are lots of sponsorships. There are a couple of sponsors that long standing sponsors that I still manage myself and a lot of the Instagram brands that I work with. Um, I do still handle myself because sometimes you just lose that personal touch. Um, but it's improved my life greatly. And if people don't want a manager, they could always look at hiring a virtual assistant or something like that. Mm -hmm. So what are like the tasks that you focus on on a daily basis? Could you describe your like an average day of Lucy's life? Ooh, that's hard. <laughs> it depends. A weekday. Okay. Oh. So I upload once a week. Um, on my English channel, um, which might not sound like a lot, but I have tested out many different upload patterns and I upload once a week on a Wednesday. And I, I went through a period of uploading three times a week and it not only did it make me feel <laughs> like crap, it also wasn't, I was oversaturating my audience yeah. and I wasn't getting the engagement, I wasn't getting the click through, which meant that fewer videos were actually becoming hero videos. Um, so I quickly stopped that. Um, but I will normally, every fortnight, I would do a block shoot uh, normally. So I will often spend, in a fortnight, I'll spend one or two days writing scripts, mm -hmm. sometimes three. It can be longer. Um, I'm working on a course, so I do a lot of work on that. That's been a beast in itself. Um, and then I'll spend a day shooting, a full day. And For a 10 minute video. Yes, for various 10 minutes. Oh, okay, so you batch, shoot. yeah. Yeah, batch shoot, block shoot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've been using the wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, batch shooting, yes. And, um, and yeah, I'll just, that means I only have to do my hair and makeup once, which is great because that's the, probably the task I enjoy least. Um, although listening to podcasts really helps. <laughs> and, um, and then... A lot of it is admin. <laughs> if it, I hear all these kids that want to become YouTubers and it's their dream job, and I just want to tell them there's so much admin. You know, you're going to get so bored. So I'm really hot on my finances, so I spend a lot of time carefully looking after those, um, traveling around, going to different meetings. Every single week is different. And then in the summer, I do farm work as well. Um, you still do farm I, work? Is that like yeah. a, a passion a passion thing? or? Uh, it's more, this is my family and yeah. they need my help sometimes. So it's normally early in the morning yeah, <laughs> or yeah. in the evening. Um, Might also be a good way to relieve the stress and yeah. the pressure from running a YouTube channel or not. Yeah, massively, massively. And also, you know, my fiance in the winter, in the summer, he leaves the house at four and comes back at 10. So it's also a way of sort of spending a bit of time together in the summer. It's, it gets really intense. But yes, it's very grounding. Um, and I enjoy it mostly. <laughs> cool. Do you have like a few tips for people who want to grow a YouTube channel? What What are you doing differently now than from when you started? Um, so one thing that I'm really looking at at the moment is the initial impressions and then the click-through rate. Um, and I know that YouTube is now pushing this, so they're making this much more visible when before it was a bit of a, a challenge to work it all out. Um, but you know, say, you know, a certain amount of people get presented with your video and then 7% click through yep. to watch it. 
that's a really good indicator as, as to how that video is going to do over time. If, however, you know, only maybe only 6% click through, then then I'd be worried and I'd play around with um, titles and thumbnails. I've worked out that changing a thumbnail and changing a title after a video has been uploaded doesn't really, it doesn't have an, it could have no impact, it could have a slightly negative one or it could have a slightly positive one, but there's no kind of evidence to show that it will kill your video or anything because I know mm -hmm. a lot of people are scared of kind of touching the description and things like that after posting. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking at a lot. What am I doing differently differently now? How important is watch time, for example? Watch time's important, but I um I only look at the percentage increase or decrease decrease. The actual number itself doesn't mean so much yeah, to me. The percentage of the of the video that the people have watched or the people watch. Well, yeah. not really. Um what I'm saying is between say I've got 10 videos oh, yeah. and this one's got 38% higher watch time than usual then I'll look at that but I won't look at the actual number of minutes yeah, because I see. That's, that number's too big for my brain to comprehend yeah. <laughs> that sounds like I'm being really arrogant but I mean you know that doesn't that number doesn't mean anything to me I just want to know how it's performing relative to everything else on my channel yeah cool um, yeah, so tell us a bit more about the challenges. So we have talked about uh, you need to be disciplined. Um, what else? What about dealing with trolls? Do you have trolls? I almost can't imagine. But. <laughs> so I definitely do have trolls. Um, I don't really pay enough attention to them to know them by name or, or to recognize a, a repeated troll. Um, I, read, I read a lot of my comments, but I also have quite strong comment filters on now. So the word ugly, for example, I just filtered it out because I didn't want to be told that I was ugly anymore. And um, same for the comment like weight. I, I don't want anyone to tell me that I look like I've gained or lost weight. I just there are things that I really just don't need in my daily life. So I'm lucky now that I've worked out the words that people who are trying to hurt my feelings will say uh, and I've blocked them out. Um, and um, so I don't get that many they have to have really bad spelling to get through my filters now and I don't see it as censorship I just see it as protecting my I don't want to throw the mental health word around but you know you get you get so many people telling you negative things each day it, it does make you feel bad and you know this an odd comment can sometimes ruin your day yeah, so yeah. I don't really pay so much attention to it anymore I think Instagram is maybe more hurtful <laughs> because they have a way of messaging you privately mm, um yeah. which gives them this extra sense of bravery um and they also have the ability to send me pictures which you know <laughs> i have my own ways of dealing with those what kind of pictures oh i don't know aubergines <laughs> <laughs> you know the emoji no i don't really get too many of those and um and i, I don't respond to them and you can kind of tell by that they filter it with a blurry filter now so i can tell by the outline what it's going to be and i can choose to not open that yeah uh, so i don't get too many because i don't i don't feel like i i don't feel like i make my channel overly inviting to that kind of thing i mean i'm very conscious about um, necklines so i will nearly always have a high necked top on people thought it was just my style no it's just because I want people to not focus on anything that is not, you know, my face, I guess. <laughs> That's not English. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, 
but yeah, so I have ways of dealing with them. Um, a big one is uh, activists that don't agree with leather. I had that this morning because I posted a leather bag on my Instagram and I don't know, that upset me a bit just because I didn't want people to think that I was, you know, I don't know. I, I, it upset me. I, I, I don't normally get upset by comments, mm. but that one did this morning. Um, oh. Yes. No, continue. Was there anything else that you wanted to say? About trolls? Um, I've struggled with some other teachers in the... Mm. In the atmosphere, um, atmosphere <laughs> in the um, in industry. the community and in the, in the in the industry, yeah. Just the odd thing because I think you know I'm I was very young when I started the channel. Um, I'm not the most qualified English teacher in the world. Oh, okay, yes, yeah, you were. Um, at teaching than me probably, and they probably well I know that they thought I wasn't deserving of my audience, mm. but. Um, that's just their opinion and you know I agree with them on some things <laughs> but I just know that I'm good at marketing and I'm good at um, studying you know what will do well and working out how to do it so yeah. that's my strength yeah YouTube is definitely different than a classroom right I mean you need yeah. to you need to be entertaining people need to like you it's like what you talked about in the beginning of this interview like you can be a very static teacher but I guess people you know, one day go to YouTube, they want to learn from someone who could be their friend, right? And I was actually watching one of your videos recently, or it was something on Instagram, I don't remember. And it was someone who said, well, Lucy, I just feel that like you're my friend. And I was like, oh. yeah, this might be one of the, this might be it, you know, this might be. I like that. And not, not yeah, obviously not everyone wants to do that. So, um, so how much time do you spend on Instagram or on, on Facebook, email, replying emails. Well, email you don't do yourself anymore, but like how much time do you spend on social media replying to comments and messages? And, and should, you men, should you spend more or less time, in your opinion? Um, so I do spend a long time. I probably spend slightly more lurking than I do interacting, which I probably, it probably would be in my favor to change that. Um, I love interacting with my followers and subscribers, um, but there's only so many hours in the day as well. Um, I I spend a long time on social media, and I've noticed my eyesight really decline over the past <laughs> couple of years, and I'm sure it's because I'm just always on my phone and on a screen, so it's very important to get away from that. Um, I spend a lot of time doing internal emails, so it's it's more the fact that I don't have an email address that's like public facing no one can mm -hmm. contact me directly no one can you know put an email straight into my inbox ever it either goes into like a filtered folder on on instagram i've turned off the messaging feature on facebook youtube they're just public comments and and that makes me feel safer and um and less mm -hmm. overwhelmed um, it was a kind of a hard decision to make because I didn't want to lose that personal contact. And I do frequently go through my DM requests on Instagram and I do pick out people and I do reply to them. Um, but it just didn't feel right that every single day I was just getting hundreds and hundreds of quite demanding messages. Um, so, yeah, I, I sorry, I've, I've gone off the question what, what exactly was the question no 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 not at all that might, well my question was how much time do you spend on uh, social media or replying messages on a daily basis? just like oh, all day long basically hours yeah <laughs> all day long it's a full-time job and it um you know i wake up in the morning the first thing i do is check yeah 
check everything. I, I won't deny that. I think a lot of people will kind of make out that, no, you know, I just check it every now and again. No, I check every day, yeah. multiple times yeah. a day, um, especially my stats, what I'm earning from affiliate, affiliate links. I check my bank account every day. I check everything every day. I love being on top of things and knowing exactly what's going on, both in the business side of things and also in the more social side of social media. I want to know what people are saying, what people think, mm. you know, whether mm. people like this, whether they didn't, if they have questions. I do spend a lot of time answering. Do you work with the team or is it just you, your manager? Like what about video editing yourself? Do you have someone for that? Yes, I've got two editors um, that work on separate videos. Um, one is very good at animating and the other is very good at getting a hell of a lot done in a short amount of time. Um, so I kind of pick and choose which video is going to which one based on their strengths. Um, I first took on an editor at the beginning of 2018, I think. Yes, I think I've been working with him for two years now. Wow. Um, and it was just a revelation. I'm not a video editor, so I was I was really struggling. And then suddenly I found all of my productivity issues with posting and editing, filming and editing a video, um, they just disappeared. And suddenly I was excited to film again because I knew that I was going to think about, oh, God, how am I possibly going to edit this? And, you know, I loved making the... 100 phrases videos and long meaty videos and um but i didn't make them because i knew that it was going to take me hours and hours and hours to do it so that was one of my best investments um yes i also i work mainly with freelancers i don't have a, an employee this may change soon i am looking to take someone on um just because it's getting to the point where there's a lot of um, i'm spending a lot of time on tasks i think my time could be better spent doing something else sometimes mm -hmm. um but yeah i work with a really good accounting agency and lots of lots of freelancers or separate companies i outsource most of my work mm -hmm. in the beginning of this interview you mentioned that sometimes you get the question from maybe family members members and ask <laughs> you about how can you how can you monetize this thing right how does it work um yeah how do you do it is it mainly adsense or partnerships sponsorships um tell us a little bit about how that works yeah, so AdSense has really grown since June last year. Um, it might be something to do with um, the fact that they've changed the monetization, um, the ways that videos are monetized on YouTube. So the partner, the YouTube partner program is now not as open to smaller creators, um, which everyone was up in arms about. But I actually don't think they studied the situation properly because the people that were kind of shooed out of the partner program were only making maybe like ten dollars a month or something like that and mm. you have to earn over 60 or 100 i think dollars a month i think it's 100 to even be able to take out that money yeah. so really i think they were just distributing the money more efficiently mm. um and i found that my adsense my cpms have gone up quite a lot um and also my views suddenly jumped as well I think that's something algorithmic. Um, I think they're really hot on educational channels at the moment. This is obviously subject to change. Um, but that's that's been enjoyable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, and then also affiliate marketing as well. So, What do you affiliate for, for example? Amazon, a lot of Amazon. Um, the Audible program, for example, I really think it's an amazing tool for viewers to use. Mm -hmm. um, Listening to audiobooks was something that I did yeah. uh, when I was learning Spanish, and it was just an amazing alternative to reading because you can um, 
learn how things are pronounced as well and also it's you know I'm all about multitasking so when mm. I go on a run I'm always listening to something I spend a lot of time out walking the dog and running and things and um, I will usually have a podcast or an audiobook in my ears but that's been really successful for me because it just gels so well with the content that I'm making um, sponsorships are also a big one um, I work with a handful of cons- like long-term partners long-term partners that sounds like I'm some sort of floozy um long-term sponsors sponsors and um and then I also take on so they'll be at a lower price but over 12 months and then I also take on the odd good offer that I think is also good for my students I'm very very picky because I realize that every time I promote something and include an ad in my videos I am alienating a small percentage of my viewers Mm -hmm. so it has to be something I think is right for them because also, I don't want to take a company's money if I don't think that I can offer them at least their money back and more. Yeah. Is there so, a way to track that? that? Uh, I'm just very open with the companies. And I say, look, I'd okay. like to know the results. Um, yeah. And I'd love to know the click-through rates. If you don't ask, you don't get. And I, I always ask and I often get. Yeah. And um, and then I can look to work with them again. So if it, maybe if a video didn't work so well, I can be like, well, look, if we do this again and I can make this change and this change and it, and it actually has been a key factor in fostering long-term relationships with brands. Mm-hmm. Okay. So English with Lucy, three and a half million subscribers. Where is this all going? Five million, <laughs> 10 million? Like, oh, do you have any, what are your, <laughs> what are your ambitions? What are some of the things that you want to do within your business? Or so I don't have any numerical on. ambitions. Um, I think it's really silly. Um, well, it would be silly of me. I don't want to call other people silly. It would be silly of me to say my goal is 10 million subscribers because I've un- I've understood in these four years that it's not just me that's in control of how many subscribers I get. I'm not lassoing people and bringing them in. I'm relying on an algorithm. I'm relying on the algorithm being in my favor. Um, and and I'm also, you know, relying on there not being a scandal or anything like that. You know, there are so many uh, elements to growing a channel and you never know when it's all over. So my biggest thing at the moment is actually making sure I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket. I think I said that before. Yeah. And making sure that I have secure revenue streams. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned that I'm writing a pronunciation course, well, written, that I'm producing a pronunciation course. So I know that's something that you're really hot on. Um that's my next goal and also diversifying a little bit so I've figured out that people on my Instagram weren't there to see me explain English topics they were there because they wanted to learn more about me so I'm trying to reach a different audience on there and that's been really interesting and and it's it's really fun to kind of mix it up a bit and I'd like to work on my personal channel as well because I, well, I, there are lots of things that I want to say, but I don't want to harm my my main channel. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Many of our listeners also have a YouTube channel. Most of them have, do maybe have a smaller channel, like a thousand. Let's let's say from a thousand to five thousand subscribers. What what are your best tips for those who want to? Well, you don't want to get started on YouTube, or who have a small channel but having. Well, struggling to really grow it. Oh, now this is a good one because YouTube is very different now to how it was back then. Um, the first thing that I say 
is you never know how big you're going to get. So please, for the love of God, make sure that you are hot on your security. So I know this isn't about growing the channel. I'll get onto that in a minute. But I've had so many situations now where I look back and I thought, I think, you know, oh, my God, stupid Lucy minus three years. You know, you had no idea how big this channel was going to be. So what were you doing geotagging your family home and, and things like that? Mm. So that's the first thing. If you're starting out on YouTube, just make sure that everything is in order, that you don't have your address on, you know, company's house if you're in the UK or anything like that, that you don't register anything to where you are. Maybe avoid using your surname. I regret using my surname mm -hmm. uh, publicly now because now that makes me more identifiable. Now, about growing a channel. So an easy way to grow a channel when you're a smaller channel is collaboration. Um, that's a no-brainer. Have you done that as well in the past? When I started, yes. When I started, I met up and I never noticed huge numbers. But it's also not that easy to track um, how many subscribers have come from where mm. unless you use a trackable link. But then oh, it's not that easy. And um, but actually, I would say more look at your analytics, work out which videos are your hero videos. I was talking about 40,000 you know, views a day or you know, even 5,000 views a day. Um, it really excites me because that's a video that's going to get, I mean, I'm not very good at maths, but it's going to get a lot of views over a year. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, even look at your channel and see which, why, look at a video, look for videos that are, you've got to look at your real-time views. That's the analytics. Real-time views. So how many people you're watching your video right now? At well, yes, but they do it for, this is on the YouTube analytics software and it's a 60-minute view and a 48-hour view as well. Um, and then you can order them in who's getting, which video is getting the most views per 60 minutes and per 48 hours. Look at those ones that are at the top and work out why. Uh, look at the titles. Are there any correlations in the titling? Uh, are there any correlations in the thumbnails? Is there anything really like stand out about that video that made people stay? And then make more, make more of it. Um, and don't be afraid to experiment. Not every video is going to do well. I, you know, I, I'm still making mistakes all the time with my video, like the videos that I predict, oh, this, I say to Will, my fiance, this is going to be amazing. I'm so excited about this video. And then it absolutely tanks. Um, but then maybe a competitor, I don't like using competitor, but, but someone a else, colleague. a colleague, yeah, a colleague will upload a very similar video with a slight tweak in the thumbnail or the title and their video will skyrocket. And you've just got to learn from that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So and also, ask when you're at a smaller stage, you have an amazing opportunity to build, you know, real relationships with your subscribers, um, and definitely ask them what they want. Run polls, run surveys. Um, don't underestimate how important it is to get as many of your existing subscribers clicking through when you upload. Yeah, where can you where can you do those polls on on social media or directly on YouTube or? I've do done a couple of those. So you can do one question polls on your community tab. Um, if you are expecting under a thousand responses, then you can use SurveyMonkey for free. Mm -hmm. uh, at least that's how it worked the last time I checked. Um, and so I'll often use them if I'm doing like a, oh, 90% of people failed this test, then I'll test a thousand people. And normally I can engineer it so that, well, not engineer it, normally <laughs> quite a few of them fail the test. And, um, yeah, so that's a good one you can use. Um, yeah, and also 
don't just rely on YouTube software. Uh, look at other pieces of software. Study other people's social blades. Look where they've had a huge peak. Look at what they posted then and see why that peak happened, how you can potentially make that peak yeah. happen for you. Um, but don't get carried away because it's really disheartening to see everyone else's peaks when you're feeling like you're in a bit of a trough. Mm-hmm. Cool. How do you learn all these things about YouTube? Do you go to events? Educon? Um, tell us a little bit about the events where you've learned, well, where you've learned about this whole thing, about um, online business or YouTube and uh, what you've learned there. So it's been a lot of experimenting and finding out as I go along. Um, initially, I would often visit the YouTube space and go to a lot of their events. Mm-hmm. Um, and more than, rather than learning lots there, because I always find, uh, sometimes I just find that their events explain what I already know. Uh, and maybe I'll get one good piece of information out of an entire day of sitting around with a you know notepad. Um, but actually it's the relationships I've built with YouTube and the other social media platforms as well. Uh, if ever you meet someone who works at Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and they want to get in contact with you and, you know, get your card and things like that, you absolutely must go for it because YouTube has given me some fantastic opportunities and I've got amazing information from them and insights. And, um, I've worked closely with them over the past few years. It's not that they've given me you know, secret information. It's just, you know, I've been able to speak to engineers. I've been able to ask them things and they've, you know, introduced me to new tools that mm-hmm. I didn't know existed and things like that. So it's always worth fostering a good relationship with the platform you're using. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. Can you give an example of a question that you had and that you had to ask uh, someone from YouTube for? Yes, um, I was confused because I I thought I was stuck in this weird, weird, I don't know quite the word for it, but I looked at my social blade and every single day I was getting exactly the same amount of subscribers within maybe 20, that was the fluctuation. So it was always around 2,098, like 2,000. Per day. Exactly that, per day, yeah. 2,000 per day. (laughs) Well... I was really confused and I felt like has something gone wrong? Like why are they promoting me to exactly this amount of people and exactly, you know, maybe they're promoting me to exactly a hundred thousand people and exactly 2000 are are choosing to subscribe. It just felt really weird. Um, and so I contacted YouTube and I set up some meetings and, and actually it just introduced me to the concept of hero videos and the fact that this video was being recommended to people who they thought would like it. Um, this a certain amount of these people and on average the same amount of people were choosing to subscribe each day and um, and it, it made me realize many things it made me realize the importance of um, studying the algorithm and trying to work out what's going on continuously because it's ever-changing and it also made me realize that this isn't completely in my control it's not me <laughs> absolutely bringing in exactly 2,000 and something subscribers each day um, which, you know, it's very exciting to have those numbers, but it also confirms that you absolutely must um, diversify your reach and your market and what you use. So that was an interesting one. And, um, and it, yeah, it 
also made me understand the importance of looking at your real-time views rather than which video has performed best. It's which perform- which video is performing best. Mm-hmm. Lucy, we're almost getting to the end of this interview. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience? Any any tips for any extra thick tips for people who want to grow a YouTube channel or just working by yourself, running an online business? Um, Yes. Um, start as you mean to go on. So I, um, you know, by, you know, two years down the line, you might have a couple of hundred videos up and, and you will kick yourself if you have a million subscribers and you haven't put all of your affiliate links in each description, even, and you haven't, you know, covered every base continuously because you're not going to want to sit down and uh, paste it all in um, start as you mean to go on. And even though these income streams might seem really small now, uh, they can be really big later. You just don't know, so it's worth including them. Uh, and also, don't be afraid to talk to other creators about sponsorship deals and, and what you're worth. I recently had um, a, sponsor, a, a conversation with another creator, and I worked out that I'd been seriously undercharging a certain sponsor, um, and, um, and I managed to put a stop to that. Um, but had I not reached out and asked that, that question, it, you know, I, I would be, con- you know, continuing to screw myself over, really. So be open with people. Um, but, you know, at the same time, don't give loads of information away if you're not getting anything in return. There are lots of people out there who are just going to want to take, take, take. Um, but I would say the majority of those people don't end up being that successful on the platform anyway. Mm. People can people can smell desperation. <laughs> Lucy, thank you very much for joining us today and uh, have a nice evening. Thank you for having me. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.